You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Ash Wednesday. Blessed Ash Wednesday to you. And to you. Thank you. We uh, get to kick off Ash Wednesday with our director of worship and chaplain here at the International Center. Looking forward to chatting with him about Ash Wednesday. We're going to take a look at some of the text, uh, some hymns for Ash Wednesday, yes. and learn learn more about Ash Wednesday today. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us in the studio, the Reverend Sean Dancer, LCMS Director of Worship and International Center Chaplain. Thank you so much for joining us, Pastor Denzer. It's my pleasure. Great to be here. We normally get to hear your voice on other programs, some of the Bible study, Sharper mm-hmm. Iron here at KFUO. And uh, so nice to uh, to get to have some time with you here on the Coffee Hour and talk about Ash Wednesday. So where would you like to begin to help us understand uh, Ash Wednesday? Do you want to dig into some of the text for today? Yeah, that's probably a good place. And maybe just a word about Ash Wednesday first. It's the first day of Lent, kind of officially. Uh, Lent is 40 days, and Lent is the French name of it, so... Is it really? It is. How did I never know that? So it doesn't... It's it, not Italian. It's not slow, but it's spring. Right. It's simply it means spring. I didn't know that. <laughs> My mind is already blown. This is off to a great start. <laughs> wow. I had no idea, like, that I actually knew something that you didn't know already when it comes to liturgical matters. And French words. And French. Man. Well, I'm I did done. study French in high school, so that does <laughs> oh, help. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. You're the expert, so... Uh, I'm not the expert. <laughs> How the, the how the Lutherans, who tend to be German speakers, uh, ended up with the Lent name, I'm not really sure. Uh, but it's mm. the one that's stuck in English, at least. Uh, the the Germans and everybody used to just call it quadragesima, which means nice. 40 days. And uh, those on the old one-year lectionary will know that 40, de- uh, you know, jesimas, we've had a septuagesima, a sexagesima, and a quinquagesima, 70, 60, and 50, and the church can't really count. <laughs> Once we get to once we get to Lent, once we get to Lent, the forty days are kind of discernible. Uh, with Ash Wednesday, it's as if you have all the days. With starting on the first Sunday in Lent, it kind of is like well, you get all forty days if you cut out the Sundays. Then we can have all the arguments about whether they're Sundays in Lent or Sundays of Lent. So uh, let's call it creative math. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Close enough. Hey, my Just... math is always creative, so that's fine. <laughs> it, it rounds to 40 days. That's the important part. There I think, we go. I, I think there's a way you can count them and get all 40 correct if you start today on Ash Wednesday. Hmm. Uh, but but it, maybe we consider this to be the real start of Ash Wen- or of Lent because this is when the fast begins. Some mm-hmm. of you probably went out and had your pancakes. Or if you're from Michigan. Punchkeys. Punchkeys. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's great They're to have so somebody good. from Detroit area here. Oh, my childhood. <laughs> it's been a long time since I had a punch key, so. Same. It's but, just not uh, the same here. No, no. Well, it's too late now. <laughs> so so I put know. those away. That's right. Put away, <laughs> put away all the fat, all the meat, and, uh, and the fast begins today, Ash Wednesday. <laughs> Which I guess brings us to the texts. And Very good. Probably yes. confusion, to be honest. Okay. Uh, you, I think of this every every year when I read these texts. And a lot of people, I think, have pointed this out. Jesus says, when you fast, don't do a lot of things. And one of the things he mentions is obscuring your face or disfigured your face in some way. You should wash it instead. And uh, anybody who's sitting here like we are with ashes on her forehead might say, 
well, hold on. <laughs> Oops. We probably should have read that first. Uh, Jesus says, yeah, don't, uh, wash your face. Don't don't make it look like it's a show for everyone else. So we wonder how this, this tradition of putting ashes on your forehead came about or our public fast. It seems like everybody knows about it. We even set aside a day to begin it. We tell people, well, for 40-ish days we're going to be doing this. Haven't we already violated the gospel reading for this very day from the beginning? Uh, and I think what would help is to look at the what used to be the epistle, and now we call it the Old Testament reading. We get to have another epistle from Second Peter, and that's the reading from Joel 2, which really gives us the idea in the church about having a 40-day period set aside for fasting, set aside for repentance, set aside for almsgiving and everything else, which is Joel's declaration of a public fast, a public time of repentance, of mourning, not just privately, as Jesus is talking about, individually, where your particular form of fasting, your particular Lenten disciplines may be just for you. And it's it's not to be a show of, I'm a better Christian than you, so I've got more disciplines. You know, I gave up chocolate altogether. I didn't just give it up in the mornings or something. Uh, but, but a public fast is different. If you're like me and you're married, you can't pretend, you can't keep your fast a secret. Your wife will be offended when you come home and don't eat her dinner. Uh, not you, not good marital advice. No, no, it's not, it's not a good way to do it. So you're going to have to tell people that you're not sinning, you're not breaking Jesus' uh, instructions here by doing that. When we do things together as a group, we have to at least be on the same page, right? So you got to tell somebody about it. Jesus is talking about not letting your piety show forth in order to make yourself better than them, uh, in order to draw attention to yourself rather than to do what all good uh, uh, fasting is supposed to do, give something up so that in its place we focus on Christ instead. We focus on his word. We devote ourselves uh, to what he has to say. And remember in kind of that simple way, man does not live on bread alone or chocolate alone or anything else, but we live on the word that comes from God himself. Absolutely. I think the question that, and this might just be like trite practical advice, but uh, every year the imposition of ashes, we get it here in the building. Uh, and and I always I always question whether or not to keep them on my forehead or not. Do I just go to the bathroom and wash them off right away? Do I wear them all day even when I'm out shopping? I, I don't know if there's any, there's probably not like a hard and fast, you must do this. Uh, but is there practical advice for that or things to consider at least to, to go either way <laughs> i know there's nothing practical about ashes and i think that's part of the point too right they're not you're you're worried all day am i smudging them you're worried one because yeah. it's going to get on my white lapel and you're also worried because well i want to look good you know uh, <laughs> gotta touch them up a little bit right yeah i don't yeah well that really is the point. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be perfect. Uh, in our church, we don't glitz them up and glam them up, you know, with uh, diamond dust or whatever, which I hear people are doing. Really? Yeah, yeah. Designer ashes. Wow. Uh, everything's been done before, but uh, no. That 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 is drawing attention to yourself, isn't it? Yeah. Turning this this symbol, which is meant for our own piety or our collective piety as Christians, to what? Remember that we're dust, and to dust we'll return. It's not really something to advertise uh, to others, uh, certainly not to draw positive attention to yourself. You're drawing attention to your own mortality uh, and to sin, uh, which is death is the wages of sin. Uh, so I would say keep them kind of as long as you can, maybe. 
it's funny they tend to rub off you know because we touch our face too much we t- they tend to rub off probably by three probably the time time to go home and uh and that's all right and if they look messy in between fine and if finally you just can't handle it and you wipe them off fine or if you're like me and you end up with them all over everything else yep. it's everywhere it's all over my hands everywhere yep. else yeah yeah so joel uh and it Joel being the epistle or the Old Testament text. Uh, other text for Ash Wednesday? Yeah, we also have Second Peter 1, That uh, now that we add Old Testaments to everything, which is a wonderful addition. Uh, so Joel can now be the Old Testament, and we can hear from Second Peter. Uh, but Joel is kind of the reading that has been heard, you know, all through Luther's lifetime, Middle Ages, they would have heard Joel and Matthew. And Joel talks about a public thing, very much a public thing. Return to me, do it with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. And yet the thing to rend is really not your garments, but your hearts. This is to be uh, real penitence, not just pretend, act it out, repentance. But then it says something that's not hiding in your closet, like Jesus says at all. Blow the trumpet in Zion. How do you do that privately? Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders, the children, nursing infants even. Bridegroom, leave your room. Bride, leave your chamber. Uh, We're all going to come together. And between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations, that they would say among the peoples, Where is your God? Beseech the Lord's mercy. Uh, priests, of course, uh, we, we might think of pastors, ministers as mentioned here, but uh, what is so wonderful in the New Testament is we're a whole nation of priests here. Uh, the priesthood of all Christians, of all believers, gathers together. And that's what we see on Ash Wednesday. We see that the whole church gathers on what for a lot of us is an unusual thing, to gather in the middle of the week, maybe to gather early in the morning or late in the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and for what purpose? To, to begin this assembly, to, to remember who we are, to to gather together as a whole congregation and say, here's the beginning of our uh, particular time of, of fasting, of uh, considering humility, of uh, foregoing things for our own pleasure and comfort for the sake of hearing God's word and, and perhaps even um, sharing those uh, blessings with others uh, in giving alms, as Jesus talks about in the gospel. So, in short, there's a difference between a public action and an individual Christian's action. Lent is public. It's for the whole church. We're all doing this together. And, of course, it's not that uh, we're checking up on each other to make sure that you got ashes on the right day or that you, you know, fasted from the particular things. But, but then every Christian in their own discipline, which, which, by the way, does not happen only in these 40 days, but constantly and throughout our whole lives, those are utterly left to the Christian. And by no means should we try to glam up our ashes uh, to try and show that, well, I guess I got it better than you do. So we've covered Joel, a little bit of Matthew, did we cover Matthew? We had like one verse from Matthew. Anything yeah. else from Matthew that you sure. want to dig into? Sure. It's interesting. The original text just begins when you fast, so we mm-hmm. get right to the point. Uh, we have the option uh, in the Lutheran service book to expand it uh, to the beginning of that chapter, Matthew 6, where we get to hear kind of a good summary statement from Jesus. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you'll have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. 
Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. Uh, so, I mean, the contradiction here is between Jesus and his prophet. Uh, and you should probably say, that's not a contradiction. We have to understand how this fits together. And again, I think understanding that there is a difference between something we undertake together as a whole church for our discipline collectively uh, and something that we do individually uh, and that's Jesus' point here. Whatever we do, it's never to be pointing out how I'm better than everybody, uh, to pointing out how uh, I ought to be praised. In fact, all of these things are giving it up for the sake of God. Uh, and, and then we get to hear the Lord's Prayer, uh, instruction on prayer, and then we finally get to hear the instruction on the fasting, which ends in this uh, important statement, don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust destroy, where they can be stolen, but lay them up in heaven. And where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. That's true. That's, that's just a true statement, period. Whether your heart is with God, if that's your treasure, uh, that's where your heart will be. Or we should say it the other way around, too. If your heart is set on God, you'll commit some of your treasure to his kingdom and his work. But the opposite is just as true. What you love, you're willing to pay lots for. If you love concerts, You'll shell out all sorts of bucks for that if you love bikes. games. Bikes? Yes. I have expensive bikes. All right. <laughs> Your whole life savings in a bike. Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> no. What if you gave up bikes for Lent? Oh. Oh, man. That would be tough. Are you calling me out? Nope. Not at all. <laughs> That would be really hard. We need to take a quick break because, uh, well, because it's time and I think I might have made Sarah cry. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. We're talking with Pastor Sean Denzer, LCMS Director of Worship. We'll be right back in just a moment. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are talking Ash Wednesday with Pastor Sean Denzer. He's Pastor Sean Denzer is the director of worship and the chaplain for the LCMS International Center. Uh, taking a look, we, we've taken a look at the text for mm -hmm. Ash Wednesday. Now, Pastor Denzer, would you like to take a look at? Um, hymns for today yeah sure it's a great place to discuss hymns it's like one of the things we do all the time here at the coffee true. hour so it's one of my favorite things so what like hymns, hymns. <laughs> what hymns would you like to uh, to dig into for today i think the first one would be from depths of woe i cry to the hymn by martin luther and a hymn that's based on a psalm psalm 130 uh in our lutheran service book this is hymn number 607 Psalm 130 is one of the seven penitential psalms, especially identified as being 
begging for repentance, for forgiveness from God, uh, coming before him with humility. And this was one of Luther's early hymns. It's one of his favorite, uh, one of his most important, actually, as a result. And Luther, a lot of people have heard his biography. He, he had depression a lot. Uh, he was an up-and-down kind of guy. Uh, and, of course, his life wasn't all roses. He, he had a lot of sickness. He wasn't a very healthy person. Uh, he had a lot of anxiety. Uh, and the biggest anxiety, I suppose, was that he was an outlaw for a lot of his life. Uh, and when you tend to be a public figure, you tend to take a lot of attacks, too. That was Luther. Uh, and beside that, he was a preacher of the gospel, and they are always attacked by the devil. Uh, so this Psalm 130 and then this hymn that he wrote on it were uh, something that came out of his own personal experience too, I suppose. But this psalm is so important for us uh, because it, it, it acknowledges what, where we are in life, uh, in uh, trials and tribulations that come upon us, uh, and in our broader con- human condition as those who are fallen into sin and uh, cannot save ourselves. We need Christ to pull us out. The hymn starts in a dark place. <laughs> And uh, the tune, by the way, paints this because it starts, Ba da da, from depths of woe I cry to thee, and uh, paints that beautifully. Uh, but it ends in a glorious and beautiful place, trusting in God's promises. What should we pay attention to in the text? Uh, a lot of us have probably sung this several times. Uh, it's it's an old. I mean, it's a. I think it's a well-known uh, Ash Wednesday Lent hymn. I've sung it a bunch, uh, but there's always something new. There's always something that stands out every time I, I sing through it. What What should we pay attention to? What are the, th- the things that really stand out in the text? I think you should notice this about the Psalms, period, and this one in particular, and then the hymn imitates that. It doesn't say please. It's not timid, but it comes out and just it tells God what to do, really, right? Uh, save me, it says. Bend down your ear to me. Hey, listen up, God. Uh, and that is the posture of prayer because that's the posture of faith. We come as dear children to a dear father. And even if our father is angry because of our sins, even if we are, are in misery for any number of reasons, uh, we come to him boldly. And, and some people are timid. They're, they're, maybe they're afraid they shouldn't show emotion in their prayers or in their songs. <laughs> we should all be Stoics. Uh, We're Lutheran. We don't show emotion. Yeah, Christianity is... Stop <laughs> with the heresy. Christi- Christianity is not afraid to do that. And, and, Amen. And faith, <laughs> faith just talks to God and says, help. Uh, in fact, it takes on a boldness because, precisely because we are faithful, because we know Christ Jesus, who's who shows us the heart of God by coming and suffering in our own flesh. We have a God who can sympathize with us in our weaknesses, as the book of Hebrews says. And as a result, he says, hey, our Father is what you can pray. You, you can come along with me and, and talk to God that boldly. So our prayers and our hymns do that too. Bend down your ear to me. Uh, come down into the depths. After me, God, we pray. Uh, and supplication is a great word. It means to take God's promises and to push him Uh, with them to say, hey, you made this promise. Now answer it already. Yeah, the first stanza is is all plea, but then it it looks like the the rest of the the hymn is really about God's promises and what he's he's promised to do. Uh, 
you know, looking at stanza four, and though it tarry through the night until the morning waken, my heart shall never doubt his might, nor count itself forsaken. It, it all about trusting because we know what he's promised. Yeah, it, it, the second stanza kind of eliminates all other options, and its point is only God's grace and love can forgive sin, uh, and none of our boasting is going to stand up before God's demands. Uh, all of us are going to have to live by mercy, mm-hmm. and I don't think we like that. Who, to be at somebody's mercy is not really to be in a secure place, we might think. Well, we just hate to be you know, at anybody's mercy. We, just, <laughs> we want to be in charge of everything, uh, but that's not the way it works with God. <laughs> Uh, and the flip side of that, though, is to be at God's mercy is to be on the receiving end of his grace, uh, of all of his love. Uh, and he's not a person who's wobbly. He's a firm foundation, as as almost all hymns talk about. And so this one takes a little time to cut off all the other options. If we're in the depths or if we think we're on the heights, uh, we, we should take heed lest we fall. But if we're rooted in him, then we're standing on solid ground. Switches to Israel's hope, right? Israel, this is your God, right? Uh, and he's the one who wrestles for us. He's the one who, who comes to, to rescue us. Uh, uh, therefore, we as Christians now take that same posture toward him. Uh, I won't let go of you, God, until you bless me. Uh, he's our shepherd. He's going to set us free from all sin and sorrow. I find it interesting that this hymn is not actually in the Lent section of yeah. our hymnal, but it's actually in the Confession and Absolution, which is very appropriate, very mm-hmm. fitting. Um, I guess you can't put it in two sections in the hymnal, so yeah, I suppose. You can make your own hymnal. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, Lutherans are, you know, we're not into topical sermons because we like to read out of the Bible. That's why we started with two texts. Uh, but it's interesting, Lutherans especially in our early hymns, especially Luther's hymns, they were written with topics, you might say, in mind, parts of the catechism, Mm -hmm. uh, portions of teaching that we want to, one, we recognize them drawn out of the scriptures, and then we want to sing them into our lives all the time. And so that's why maybe this hymn doesn't tell us about ashes, it doesn't walk us through Joel's cry for... uh, for a public fast. No, it, it doesn't just retell the story. Instead, it, it brings us into the teaching so that we act, it actually is put into our mouths to call it out to God, to, to share with our neighbors and say, let's, let's be confident. Uh, and how often uh, when we're singing hymns, look, we have to just turn to each other and say, hey, let me share the gospel with you a little bit. Let me just sing and encourage you, right? Pat you on the back and say, isn't this great? We get to look at each other, and, and so many hymns are like that. Dear Christians, let's, let's all rejoice. And this hymn does that too. Let's sing hymns together. I'm cool with that. Speaking of, of confession and absolution hymns, which I think are quite appropriate probably for Ash Wednesday and all of Lent because of repentance, uh, what's the next hymn you wanted to talk about before we run out of time? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a hymn that a lot of people might not know because it's pretty new. It's new to our hymnal. Uh, and it's one that I always sang when I was at my parish in North Dakota as our closing hymn as we were leaving. Sometimes Ash Wednesday can feel really dark, like we never quite get out of those depths. This hymn, I think, puts it in perspective. This hymn is great because it's meant before, kind of to, to encourage us, I think, to come to individual confession absolution. But it starts with confidence instead of starting in the doldrums, right? Uh, baptismal waters cover me. As I approach on bended knee to plead my Father's mercy, 
Uh, we never come as Christians, this is why we can be so bold with God, we never come as Christians wondering what the answer might be. We don't come to confession, we come to worship, kind of with a, well, sometimes they call them Hail Mary passes, right? (laughs) Who knows if it'll get in the end zone? Who knows if anybody's there listening? Are you there, God? I don't even know if you're listening, but if you are, I, I guess I need help, so maybe I'll toss something out there. No, we come boldly, knowing that God's listening, he wants to hear us, on what basis should we dare to talk to God like that? Well, on the basis of Jesus Christ and his promises, which for us have been placed on us so firmly and certainly in holy baptism. That's what leads, you know, it goes this way in the catechism. We have baptism, then we have confession and absolution, and then we are brought to the Lord's table. Uh, and this hymn takes a cue from that and says, okay, I come in the confidence of baptism uh, to speak the truth, right? Uh, as Hebrews says, right? Uh, let us come... Uh, with a with a true heart, that's an honest, not a deceitful, not a trying to get away with something heart, but here's the honest truth. It, it might actually be a pretty horrible truth, my sins. Uh, but there's a greater truth to hear, and that's the truth of God's forgiveness. So this hymn starts in baptism, it ends in baptism. It, it's it's exactly what what repentance in general and uh, confession absolution is in particular a, a return to holy baptism to bring those who are repentant back into the boat of the church uh, into the lord's security that's so important to remember remember our baptisms as we like to do and and lent is is no different uh of a season to to go back to baptism return to uh, to where to where faith was imparted yeah, one more word about Lent in general, since this is the beginning. Yes. There's a way in which we do the same thing as we could do with confession and forgiveness, as if we come not knowing if we're going to be forgiven by the end of this. You know, not knowing if those ashes are ever going to come off and we're going to be marked with sin forever. Uh, no, we know the end of the story. It's not a surprise to us. We're not pretending for 40 days that <laughs> we don't know if Jesus is going to rise or not. He's. We're just going to focus on his death and... Who knows what comes after that? No, we know the story. He, he told us ahead of time, you know. He predicted his death, his suffering, and his resurrection to his disciples three times, I think. They still didn't get it. Sometimes we don't either. <laughs> but uh, we know where we're going. It's through the cross, and it's into the resurrection. Uh, we're going through uh, penitence, but into the forgiveness of sins, into all the confident rest of Christ. So, so don't forget that on Ash Wednesday, too. Amen. Amen. That's, I was going to compare it to like going to see Titanic and telling people not to tell you how it ends. <laughs> yeah, it's too late for that one. It's too late then now. <laughs> Spoiler right. alerts don't. have ended for that. Right, right. Same thing. Yeah, you don't even see it in theaters anymore. That was a few decades ago. But yes. we, we go through Lent knowing how it ends. Absolutely. Great point. It's the, not like... We don't pretend we don't know how it ends either, right? No, no, that's not, yeah. the, that's not the point of Lent is to, is to pretend. Well, what would it be like to have been the disciples who didn't know? Well, they did know, even if they forgot it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we live in the time we live in now, after Christ's death and after his resurrection, which Jesus says is a better time. Uh, we're, even, we're the ones who are least in the kingdom of God and let, yet greater than John the Baptist even, because we live in the time where Christ has fully accomplished our salvation, where all, all things are ours by faith. All we, the only time that will be greater is after the last day when we're ushered into the Lord's eternal life. And that's what we're pointing to. Yep. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Pastor Denzer, for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Blessed Ash Wednesday. You too. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Wow. 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 Wow.
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Thank you.